Well, you dominated college. We talked about that, and you did those three things. And when you did get drafted in the fourth round, I see this little story, and I can't believe someone wrote this slash as you said this. Your motivation for the league was paying off your student loans? <laughs> like, you might be the only player who gets drafted out of the 256 or whatever who say, yeah, my motivation to, to play in the league is to pay off my student debt. Is that real? Like, did you really? was that really one of the mo- motivating factors? That that was one of them. That was one of them because you got to think. Remember, I was I told you I was in a dark place um, that didn't get a scholarship. So my parents were helping me through school. Um, So for me to be able to pay off those loans uh, was taking. Like a uh, it was taking some of my parents plate. It was an opportunity for me to give back in a way. Right. Opportunity for me to like, hey. Thank y'all. I got the rest of it. I'm gonna go ahead and sign this check. Boom, <laughs> loan paid off. You know what I mean? So it was, it was definitely one of the motivating factors for sure to to get to the league. Um, especially, I just had a son too. Um, so my girlfriend at the time was my wife. Now we just had a son, um, and he was born in May, and I think I got drafted in April. Um, so that was another motivating factor just to get out of debt and <laughs> be ready to take care of him. Uh, but yeah, man, like that, a lot of my motivation stirred from childhood stuff. A lot of my motivation stirred from early hood uh, or early before adulthood. Um, but really not going to vision one pissed me off. It's like, I feel like I can play at that level somewhere. You couldn't tell I couldn't play somewhere. Like I, Middle Tennessee State somewhere, like just <laughs> anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it just it just made me upset. So I'm like, I got to prove that I belong at this level or on, on that level. So um, for me to be able to pay them student loans off was a was a really big deal for sure. And, and, and then you even get into that, that point that you that we all dream of getting to the NFL and, you know, not having that first year that probably you expected and, you know, probably the organization or fans expected, uh, you know, only uh, catching two passes and you, you did end up scoring a touchdown, but you also had an injury that I signed you or sidelined you a little that year, but coming back year two went crazy. Didn't get many wins in the, in the league, but nor that year, the team, but you went crazy almost having a thousand yard season and, and things like that. What was the difference for you between that year one and year two that allowed you to have that excellent second year? Oh, it, it was a, it was a few things. Um, number one, uh, coming from a D three, and then playing with pros, playing with players that you grew up watching. It was like I had to. I was so hungry to get there. Then when I got there, I was kind of like my eyes open, like, oh, wow, wow that's Maurice Jones-Drew. That's, you know, that's uh, that's Nate Clements from Shaker Heights. Like, I used to watch him. <laughs> I used to watch him at other state when I was, like, fifth grade. Like, now nah, I'm playing against him. So I had to understand, like, hey, you belong here. Like, hey, this is your job now. So I had to understand how to be a pro. I had to understand how to take care of my body. I had to understand how to study a playbook. I was at Mount Union. We had the same playbook all five years. I ain't really studied my playbook. Like I know, I know what razor mean. Like I know, I know all the plays. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, so studying film, um, understanding. I'm sorry, studying my plays and then studying film. Studying film is different. Like when I have to, when it's third down and three, and Darrell Rivas is lined up on the press coverage inside of me, 
because he knows our tendency on third down and three is to run slants. How do I get open? Like understanding how to run that route versus a professional. Understanding how to look at the quarterback and be able to call an audible or get on the same page with him if the defense lines up a certain way. Um, understanding, hey, oh, it's a 33% chance or a 43% chance when we go when we go third and two or under, right, they're going to be in cover zero. So now I come to the line of scrimmage, and as a slot receiver, I got to make sure, okay, if he blitzes, what, what do I do next? If they, we come to the line of scrimmage with two plays and they check the play, okay, I go from a run play to a pass play or from this route to that route, right? Um, if they pop out, and go in zone. Now, with my my, what is my route? So, understanding all the nuances of being a pro, um, I had no clue. <laughs> I had no clue my rookie year. I was lost. On top of, I'm gonna be honest with you. On top of, now I got a little money in my pocket. Now I got the girls on me. Now I got you know I'm kind of the the new draft pick, the man the man in the city a little bit. Like now it's different. Like it's just different. So learning how to balance all that or not balance it, get rid of it. And dial in and focus. I think another thing, too, I'll never forget this. So my rookie year, we weren't good. We ended up firing the head coach, Jack Del Rio, halfway through the year, right? Mel Tucker um, ended up taking over, and he finished the year. We finished on a high note. We, were, we weren't good, but, we, you know, we fought hard for Mel. Going to that year, next year, we had a new GM – or no, new head coach, Mike Malarkey, and new receivers coach, right, Jerry Sullivan. If you know anything about Jerry Sullivan, he's like the wide receiver whisperer. So he, I mean, he trained Larry Fitzgerald, he trained Anquan Bolden, all these legendary receivers, he was coaching them. We used to watch film from like 1992 of receivers running routes, literally, literally 1992, Detroit Lions, when Barry Sanders was there. All those receivers had great careers. Nobody knows about it. I do because we watch the film every day. <laughs> I, I, had no, I had no idea that Detroit Lions had receivers those years. Just Wasn't they still in three-point stances back then running routes? Like, <laughs> I, knew Barry, I knew Barry Sanders. That's it. I didn't know. I, you couldn't tell me nothing about the receiver. One receiver on that team, I have no idea. Bro, they was nice. They were running route. I and mean, we saw it because we watched the practice film. We watched the They were nice with him. He was one of the coaches there. So we will watch that film. But anyways, they come in, and uh, I'll never forget OTAs happen. And right before OTAs started – oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Uh, so we drafted Justin Blackman that year, number five overall. So that bumped me down more, right, on the depth chart. We gave Laurent Robinson um, five or four-year, $32 million contract. He had a good year in Dallas, came over. But those are the top two guys. We just paid a guy on the team named Mike Thomas three years, $12 million. Those are your top three guys right there. With a new coach, as you guys know, a new coach comes in, they bring in their guys in, their people in. So I'll never forget, receiver coach Jerry Sullivan, he wrote down, it was like X, Z, and F. Those receiver positions. X, all right, we got Laurent Robinson. Z, that's going to be Justin Blackman. F, Mike Thomas. And they kept going, boom, 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 boom. All right, it's group one, group two, group three, group four. And next week is how it's going to look. I'm like, raise my hand. Hey, coach, my name ain't on the list. Like, where, 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 where do you want me to play? Oh, oh, you, um, you, you got to learn it all. You just got to learn it all. That moment that's going into my second year, that moment 
changed my my professional mindset, for changed my direct direction of my career. Not being on the board, being forgotten about, closed the meeting up, and I had to raise my hand to even get on the board. It was go time. I had to go back to my college mindset. I had to learn. I literally had to learn how to be a pro, how to study. Um, that summer, so OTAs finished up and I started making some plays. I did exactly what Jerry Sullivan told me to do every single day, over and beyond. Like I had to figure out a way to make it. I was in the mall running routes. I was in the mall with my playbook. Like no lie, I was in the mall looking at my playbook. I was just doing stuff like, okay, I got to make this team. I got to prove myself. So I started making a little bit of noise in OTAs. So Jerry, like eventually, I was on the depth chart. <laughs> like, uh, I wasn't about, forgotten about time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm 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 12 string. Right, let's go. Let's go. So that summer, he was like, "Hey, I want you to go work out with a friend of mine." And I said, "All right, who? I'm down." He was like Larry Fitzgerald, and I'm like, "Like the Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> like the Hall of Future Hall of Famer." He's like, "Yep." He invited the whole receiver group. But only me and a couple of guys went. I think this just me my first year. Uh, maybe Mike Brown, um, who actually is an associate head coach at um, uh, University of Wisconsin right now. So we went out there and it changed my life. Literally changed the direction of my career. Working hand every day with Larry Fitzgerald and how he he was working like he was an undrafted rookie trying to make the team. This is his ninth, tenth year. He solidifies one of the best guys in the league. He's working every day like he's trying to make the team in the summertime. Like he's trying to make the team. So it's a group of us grinding. Workout started at 8. He's there at 730 getting stretched. After workout, he got his protein shake. He got his trainer. They're working on his body. I'm like, okay, this is how you do it. We go to his house for lunch. He got the spread set out. Healthy fruits, healthy veggies, healthy sandwich, chef cooking this up. He got a masseuse here. I'm like, okay, this is why he's great. So spending two weeks with him, two, three weeks with him every summer, or that summer, excuse me, opened my eyes. Okay, this is how you are. This is how you be a professional. This is how you eat. This is how you take care of your body. This is how you train. Inviting, calling his quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, flies quarterbacks up to Minnesota. He's training with them in the summer. Like, these are the things that opened my eyes like, boom, I got it. Took everything I learned those two, three weeks, went back to training camp in Jacksonville, just applied it. It's from the film study, from the playbook, from eating, from the, the body, the how to take care of your body, from the weightlifting, and I just applied it. I literally applied it, and I had to be patient. I'm making plays all preseason. Still barely made the cut. So I'm like, they kept six receivers that year. I was like the fifth receiver. So when you're the five or six receiver, you get like packages to go in the game, right? So it's only like six, seven plays that you're you know, scheduled to be in. And then um, you got to know the whole playbook, of course. And then there's a two-minute drill, which, you know, they put four or five wide out there. So first game of the year, remember, I only had two catches in my rookie year. First game of the year, first quarter, I go in there for my package. I run a five-yard in route on third down. I catch it. Boom. I'm like, oh, snap. Okay, we in this thing. <laughs> we in this thing. Let's go. Gave me first down signal. Jaw back to the sideline. <laughs> Sat there for 
two more quarters. Then get back into like the third or fourth quarter. Caught another pass over the middle. End up catching a 45-yard bomb to put us in position to win the game. Week one, eyes are open. My eyes are open. Going back to the work in the summertime, learning how to take care of my body. Learning how to study plays. Having somebody to walk with me and truly like, hey, see, this is what you need to do. So all of that and then my confidence building. Week two, didn't do much. Week three, um, didn't play much at all. I was in I was in on blocking plays and I was blocking my behind off. Second year, I was a good blocker. My third year league, I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> a, th- a thousand yards to do that. A thousand yards. Hey, 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 he was doing the old, hey, he was doing the old hey, they, they ran this way. You good? I'm good. You good? You good? You good, right, you good. Hey. <laughs> you good, you good. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're going opposite way. But um, I was only in on blocking plays. Week three, coach, only in on blocking plays. We're down. Two-minute drill, 40-something seconds left. We call this play named Pot. This means two posts, two by two, two posts. You got you to, like, stem in five yards, and you come up to 10, then you break in versus cover two, right? Cover two, you're in the middle of the field. So I run my route, and as soon as I turn my head, that ball's whistling. I caught the back end of it, and then I was running like I was on St. Clair, trying to run <laughs> from the police. I just took off like, yo, I'm out but boom, we end up scoring, we end up winning that game. More confidence for me, more eyes being open. Like, hey, this is two out of three weeks. This kid's making plays and scoring touchdowns. So as time went on, I just kind of waited my turn. I got my first start week seven, never looked back. Um, but that was that was a pivotal time in my life where key uh, mentors, key coaches um, really poured into me. And I had to learn. I had to entail a lot and take a lot and then supply it. I can't help but see the Texans helmet behind you. And knowing the work that you do with the Texans now, you know, uh, in-game or is it in-game host or on the field host? How, how, how do they – in-game host? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I feel like you ain't even, you know, play that long with the Texans, but they got clearly got love for you bringing them back and, not, and now you're working there. But – and you just talked about a two-minute drive with 40 seconds left. We just saw this past weekend, you know, C.J. Stroud and Tank Dale connect, uh, you know, throughout that two, throughout those 40 seconds and then win the game at the end of it. How has, you know, you being on the, you being on the field watching the game, but also you being an, a former player, uh, you know, being a mentor maybe to Tank or maybe to C.J., how has, you know, being able to see the development of those two early on in their careers so far? It's been, I'll be honest with you, those two guys are different. They're, they're, they're different. You know, there's always this stigma of, uh, you guys know, Ohio State quarterbacks, they get in the league, they're not the same, they ain't going to do this, their system guy is not that good. CJ came in with the mindset, like, I'm going to outwork every single body here. Like, that's what everybody knows him for in the building. The first one in the building, the hardest working in between, and the last one to leave every single day. Like, Every single day. That's what he's known for. It's hard work right now. And it's showing up in the field. Um, His ability to understand the playbook, his ability to, I'll say, capture the audience. He, from day one, was a leader. When you got a Pro Bowl left tackle in the summertime talking about, hey, that's our QB1 right there. Put it all on Instagram. Put it all on, that's our QB1. He was in the middle of a fight between him and Davis Mills, right? In the middle of a QB fight. 
Uh, no, not, that's, that's our QB one. The way he commands the huddle, the way he leads us, his poise, his confidence, his understanding of the play, um, how he's a rookie, but lining, lining veteran receivers up or talking to the offensive line, hey, slide to this protection or do that. It's it's incredible the steps he is taking and how comfortable he is. I haven't seen a rookie quarterback. I have not seen a rookie quarterback. This may sound silly. Use his check downs or like sit in the pocket and just sit there. Eyes rolling, go from one read to the next read to the next read is not there. I'm going to throw a check down. Most rookie guys, they can't sit in the pocket that long because they get nervous. They get happy feet. They're seeing ghosts. They're sprinting out to the right or sprinting out to the left, getting sacked, looking embarrassed. The pocket is collapsing on him, and he's standing there strong looking. One, two, nope, where my check down at? Boom. I've never seen that poise from a rookie quarterback. In my 35 years of living, I'm like, dog, this dude is different. His accuracy, unbelievable. Um, and he has a, he has some areas to grow in, but he's on his way, brother. Like, Houston found their guy. And I felt bad for Houston because I'm like, dang, you had to shine. He was special. And then whatever happened, happened. He ended up leaving. Now I'm like, you got to, I don't know what you're going to do. It's hard to find a quarterback. Lord, they, ooh, Lord have mercy. They got one. They got one. Now we come to Tank. Tank smooth as silk, man. He's smooth. It's, it's not a route he can't run. So I'm thinking, man, he about 5'8". <laughs> he about 5'8", a buck, uh, a buck 50. Like, this dude about to get killed. And I'm watching him. That boy's smooth. You can't touch him. You can't touch him. Y'all, listen, at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> like, he's smooth. And he understands, okay, catch it, let me get down. Catch it, let me avoid this hit. Um, and that, that's what's going to be key for him, understanding kind of like how Deshaun Jackson was, understanding I'm going to use my speed, I'm going to use my quickness, I'm going to get downfield, I can make plays, but don't take no unnecessary hits. Um, but it's one-on-one, and, and I'm sorry, it's nobody that can check him. It's, 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 a, it's a rare few that I've seen like kind of lock him up for he's a rookie. Um, he's kind of getting overlooked right now because you got some – you got some uh, you're in Houston. You're not like a, you know, a great team yet. You're not, you know, that boy can play like one on one zone coverage. He's going to find it. He, he understands how to sit in the zone. And one thing CJ does a good job. of. first of all, CJ might be the most accurate quarterback in a long time. He is he's accurate like Drew Brees almost like he, how he gets precision, how he can pinpoint the windows. It's it's incredible to see in person. Um, and I didn't get to see him at a house state in person. So I'm seeing him on, on the field and home games on, in person. I'm like, dude, how's he getting it in there? It's, 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 it's top notch. Um, but those two have a chance to be a really special duo as they continue to get older, they continue to get more reps. Um, and I think what you saw this past weekend, 470 yards passing, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, um, being down, with 46 seconds left in the game and then driving the guys downfield. But people don't realize the last two weeks, they did the same thing. So two weeks ago against Atlanta, they were down three points or down whatever. He drove them downfield with uh, uh, two minutes to go, scored a touchdown. There's just too much time left on the clock. Atlanta went down and scored. Same thing in Carolina. They was down. He drove them downfield, scored. Too much time left on the clock. Bryce drove them down and scored. So this is his third time in a row doing this. 
This ain't nothing new to him. He's doing his part. It's just amazing to see in person a rookie and what he did as far as 470 yards <laughs> and five touchdowns. Like, that's unheard of. Three of his guys went over 120 yards. It was it was in it was insane. Um, so to be there to be supportive, I wish I could be in more of a mentorship role. Um, how the NFL works sometimes. If you're a big name, you're allowed all through the building and do the multiple things. I got like a medium to low name, <laughs> so, so I'm allowed in certain places, but not everywhere, right? Um, so when I get a chance to, I try to, you know, just be there for and be a resource, um, and go from there. But those those two guys, man, they 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 on their way. They they definitely special. They get it. Staying on Shroud a bit here because uh, Croft and I both watched him at Ohio State for his two years that he started there, and I thought he was a really darn good quarterback, but I didn't necessarily know how good just because. The stigma of Ohio State, right? You know, in the pocket a lot, whatever. And then the Georgia game, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. That might have been one of the they lost, but that might have been one of the best games mm-hmm. I've ever seen a quarterback play, like point mm-hmm. blank period. The question was coming in, is that the outlier, or is, can he? Is this truly him? And come to find out, this is truly who he is. That game was. But all, the off season, you got people talking about his S two test scores or whatever. Like that got anything to do with football? All that good type of stuff. Is the organization surprised that he's this good this early, like right away? Because I'm not, like, dude's a ball. I'm up in Buffalo uh, covering the Bills, and we folk we talking about CJ Stroud today. I know the Bills is on their own little thing, but <laughs> CJ Stroud is balling. Like, are they surprised at his growth this fast? I would say yes. I think they always knew he had talent. I think the Georgia game, like you said, that was the game everybody was watching. Right. OK, because going into that game, it was like Bryce is the clear favorite number one guy. That's what it was. Bryce is the guy. He's the standard, whatever the case may be. And then. And you know how it is. Like, oh, Big Ten talent is not the same as SEC. And can he compete against the top dogs? He went off against the best, the best defense in the NFL, in the college football. Right. And they were the best defense. I'm just I'm just saying. Um, but to go against those guys and put up the numbers he did, and to run out the pocket like he was, to get outside the pocket and look down the field, to show his accuracy. And even then, I was, oh, he has all these great receivers, which they do, all these great receivers and all this talent and all this stuff. That boy put on a show. And to hear the GM, who's from John Carroll, uh, go out there and say that was the game that really won us over. That was the game. Okay. This, this dude got something. He's special. And it seems like they always wanted CJ, the height, the prototypical height, arm, everything. Can He can hit every throw, whatever the case may be. But I don't think they anticipated him being this good this early. It's hard to, right? It's hard to. You got the Andrew Lux of the world. You got the Peyton Mannings of the world where you think, okay, they'll be good really fast. Um, with CJ, he was one of the best quarterbacks in this year's draft, no doubt about it, but you just, you just can't measure that. Like how good or how fast will they be this good or how fast will they be really good? Um, so I do think it's a surprise. Now I think it was surprised to them early on from like training camp or maybe even OTA. They're like, Hey, this kid's starting to do something, right? This kid, he, he might have something. Whereas, uh, the media and the fans, we saw it later, right? Because remember, his first 
his first ever throw or second ever throw in preseason was a pick. <laughs> so they, you know how they, they criticize. He gets to start and throws a pick. Oh, man, he just, he's a rookie. He's going to be a rough year, guys. <laughs> Might have a top pick next year. You gave it to Arizona. Oh, here we go. Um, but he's, he is, uh, I think he's shocking a lot of people right now. And eventually that shock is going to go away and people are going to say, okay, this guy's a top 10, top 15, top five quarterbacks if he continues to interject in that way. All right, a couple more questions before we hop off because I know you got kids to, you know, to to discipline. <laughs> um, but what would Caesar do right now in the NFL? You know, I feel like when you play – a lot more running game, you know, passing game, probably either spread offense wasn't, wasn't the, the typical, uh, you know, thing that's going on right now. But, you know, if you were in today's game, mm. how do you think your game would have translated? Um, I think it would translate very well, especially all the passing they're doing, right? I think it's more opportunity. I think it's better quarterback play around the league. Um, I think there's – if you if you are a receiver, it's all about the right situation at the right time. That's all it is. Um, and it's not a knock to anybody. But if I give you the list of quarterback names I had compared to somebody else, you'd be like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? This, you didn't play with any uh, good quarterbacks, right? Um, but in today's game, there's so many, it's so much creativity from the offensive coordinators. There's so many personnel groupings from the offensive coordinators um, that, the fourth, the fifth, the third, the second, the first receiver are used in so many different ways and different packages. And passing the passing game is more of what it is, right? The running game has been more of a package duo. Used to have a, a, a lone set running back. When I was in the league, it was Maurice Jones-Drew. I was our running back. We had a backup, but it was all about Maurice Jones-Drew. He had 1,700 yards rookie or his my rookie year. Seven, 1,600 yards my rookie year. We ran the ball every other play. <laughs> we passed it, but it wasn't as much as it is now. That's just what it is. And that was only, I think I retired 2016, 2017, right? Um, the game is forever evolving. So if I could be in today's game, um, and of course you got to be in the right system with the right quarterback, I think I could, I could do some damage. I think I could really do some damage, man. Um, if you just look around the league, you see so many guys – just in the right system at the right time. Like, what's what's the guy named from L.A. Rams that's killing it right now? Puka. Puka Nakua. Uh, oh, my gosh. Fifth-round guy from BYU, right? In the right system. Using them correctly. Matt, uh, what's his name? Sean McVay. Genius. Creative. Just finding ways to use them. Boom. Give him the ball. Um, plus, you got a good quarterback. Matthew Stafford. He understands it, right? Um, if you look at a guy like – I'll go back to Julian Edelman. He did nothing special. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to wow you with anything, but he makes plays. And he had a darn good guy giving him the ball at the right time. And what Edelman did do well was after he got the ball, he made guys miss, did his thing, but he always was in this right spot. And him and Brady had that awesome connection. So it's about being in the right place at the right time. But I think I can do some real damage, man. Probably a couple thousand yard season, maybe get a little more check, a little more money. You feel me? <laughs> Nah, I feel you. I feel you. And then last question. Since you since you coach it, you coach high school football. Yeah. Uh, t- all I hear, I never played against a, high, a Texas high school team or anything. I only see the stadiums. I see the pictures. I see the stands and fans showing out. I want to, comp- 
you can compare for me, or if you had to compare Ohio football, Ohio high school football to Texas high school football, what's what's the difference there? Uh, the biggest difference is the weather because they get to have true spring ball. So we're outside in a true spring ball practice where guys can hit, guys can do whatever. So they're playing football almost year round. Where, in, as you know, in, in Ohio, you can't do that. Like you're playing a different, whole different sport. There is no spring football. You're playing a whole different sport, a whole different sport. Um, now, Texas football is ahead of Ohio because of that. Now, I'll say this. The athlete, and this is what a college coach told me. It's weird. Let me go back to this. In my receiver room, like 2013, 2014, between 2013 and 2014, there's like five or six receiver coaches now in college, in Division I college football. It's crazy. That's in my Jacksonville Jaguar receiver room. It's about, I'll say about four or five Division I college receiver coaches right now that we play together. Now they're coaching at that level, right? So um, they know, just like I know, it's different areas of the country create different type of athletes. Florida, you're going to find speed, right? Not a lot of linemen there. It's going to be speed. When you go to Cali, you got a good mix with more of the quarterbacks, more of the pretty boys, more of the, uh, uh, I wouldn't say line, line, there's linemen there, but it's more skill guys, right? You go Ohio, those are your big boys and whole, right? Those are your big boys. You're going to find your mini linemen. You're going to find the tough guys. Those are the Wisconsin linemen. You, you, know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. When you go to Texas, you kind of find everything. You kind of find everything. You got your linemen. You got your backers. You got your crazy athletes. Um, but what those guys are telling me, those college coaches, they peak early. So you may see the best of a guy in high school, and he may succeed in college, but that's the best that he will get. So his ceiling is lower compared to a guy from another state because they play, I wouldn't say year-round, but they play so often mm-hmm. because of the weather, right? So you got kids, and there's kids in, in Ohio playing from you know five, six, seven years old. But when you have... Nowadays, seven on seven, and you got Flag, who's an Olympic sport now, which is going to blow already blowing up. Um, when you have spring football in high school, think about the advantages that we would have had if we had spring football in high school, where you get 15, 16 practices, and then you get a break and then go into summer training. Then you go to, then you see what I'm saying? Like, that's just, you're ahead. You're ahead of the curve. Right. Um, so I'll give the nod to Texas, even though I'm biased towards Ohio. I'll give the nod to Texas. It's got to be honest. Um, and the atmosphere. Oh, Lord, brother. <laughs> brother. Now, there's what's different, too. And I'm just talking. What's different is, as you guys know, in Ohio, there is no separation of the private school and the public school. It's all on enrollment, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Well, in Texas, there's a public school league, and there's 6A, 6A1, 6A2, and then there's 5A1, 5A2, and all the way down to 1A, right? Then there's two private school leagues. So they're separate. So what we would call non-conference games in Ohio, like your independent games, those games don't even matter in Texas. All that matters is your conference games. So say you get five non-conference games or non-district games, they call it, and then you're, you may go 0-5. All that matters is if you win your district. So if you go 5-0 in your district, 
Now you're like number one seed going into the playoffs against only private schools that are in your, of course, your enrollment category, right? Um, whether it's you don't got St. Nations versus Glenville, because you might see that in the non-district games, but when it comes to nitty-gritty for state championship, you don't see it. Uh, which is kind of a disappointment because there's some there's some public school teams I want to see go against some private school teams and clash, right? For the for the true title. Um, but there are so many schools, man, and there's so many athletes. The population is crazy. It's crazy. So I think that's another thing, too. Like, there's so many kids. It's so many kids. It's 4,000 kids at these public schools. Um, they're graduating thousands of people in one class, 900 people in one class, right, at the bigger schools. If you go to, like, a Katy or North, if you go to a North Shore game here um, in Houston, it's going to be uh, – they, they're going to have a uh, – what, what they call it before the game? Tailgate. Tailgate. They have a tailgate before the game in high school, right? They're gonna shut the city down. Like it's, it's that's what you see in the movies is real. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not everywhere, but it's real. It's very, very real. It's gonna be jam packed. It's gonna be five, six thousand people. There. The stadiums that the, these high schools are playing at, they had like uh, district stadiums or conference stadiums where they share a stadium. So, say for example, um, there's a Collinwood Stadium. There's a, a Bump Taylor Field. We would share one field. Say we would share Collinwood Field, and there would be a multitude of games there, mm-hmm. right? And that as a district, as a conference, the Senate Athletic Conference, we would share that field. But that field is ten thousand can fit ten thousand people. That field can that field can fit fifteen thousand people, and that's how many people are coming to the games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's nuts, man. The atmosphere. Uh, Kind of insane, but it's it's pretty cool to be a part of. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I hear what you said about that spring ball stuff. I'm happy I live in Ohio because I hated spring ball in college every single <laughs> last second of it. So I'm happy I ain't had to do that in high school. I'm not gonna lie, but no, that definitely is an advantage. My last question for you: once again, I know you're a busy man. It's a quick one. It's funny as a kid growing up, the running backs was every everything: Adrian Peterson, LT, and now today these kids. I don't know if they can name five running backs. It's all about the receivers. But you're a receiver. Ooh. You know you won't get on get off the pod without giving me five. So what's your five? Oh man. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Um right now, as of November 6, 2023, 145 Central. Uh it's hard for me not to say uh Tyreek Hill is not number one. It's it's hard. And I think everybody's five would be different based on the type of receiver you like, like a style, right? But Tyreek changed the whole game. He changes the whole game. It's unbelievable. Five, eight, five, nine. You got to put two, three guys on. on he, you, and you're doubling him and tripling him, and he's still getting open. Um, it's, it's incredible. I say Tyreek, A.J. Brown. Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. Those are are my five. You can move them how you want to move them, but I think those five are the best in the league, hands down, right now. They can do it all. That's 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 a that's a solid. I would say that's a lot of people's five for sure. That's that's a lot of people's five for sure. Like the it, only person that people might be like, oh, Jamar Chase or whatever. But once again, he named five like dudes though. Like who you bumping out of there? Like Jamar Chase, he named five, yeah, Jamar Chase. He named dudes. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't put 
AJ Brown in there for wasn't for this year. Like he's he going off. Yeah, no, he going stupid. He's, he's going, going stupid. crazy. Yeah, like I have no choice but to put him up there. Um, and Jamar, Jamar got T Higgins. He got Tyler Boyd. You know what I mean? His other guys uh, kind of take away his touches at times. And I think the Bengals kind of been up and down this year. They've been up and down. Um, but you know Jamar, dog. It's just right now as a uh, one forty seven now central. <laughs> 147 Central. Those, those are the top five. <laughs> yeah. Man, season, it, it's, it's, it's been a little minute. We we, we tried to connect, but, I, man, it, it was it was worth the wait, bro. I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I appreciate Steve, uh, your younger brother, for just even yeah. connecting us, you know, uh, this past summer. So, um, I mean, I, I got love for you. I got love for your family, your, your dad. I, he hasn't coached me personally, but we've – Definitely been in the in the same area in the same arena and those things. But I gotta ask this this last thing: you you, you get sick? Steve told me you don't get sick. He, he said Caesar he said Caesar Shorts the third don't get sick. Is that still true? <laughs> uh, you know what? That uh, for the most part, bro. I'm gonna lie to you. I just I just don't have it. It just don't happen. <laughs> like, and not now it's different. I don't take care of my body like I used to. Um, right. On vitamins heavy, all that good stuff. I for whatever reason, that just what it was. I'm just not that type of way. My son's the same way. We just don't get sick really. Like it just rarely happens. Now with kids, it's different. So you might get the sniffles now. You know, yeah. you never know what's going on in schools. Yeah, yeah he is nasty for real. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we got like eight birds eating boogers still. Like, oh, isn't the people nasty? <laughs> nasty, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, man, I stay, I stay away from it. But no, nah, I appreciate you. We definitely got to get you back up to uh, Cleveland this summer. We gonna um, I'm a host. I, I reached out to you this summer to to be a part of the local legend camp that I threw. So we definitely got to get you out there. And I would love to even work with you to try to get something built up like Chris had because that's something that you know our high school kids, our our, our middle school kids need again. Like we we need that competition. We need to be able to be face to face in the same on the same field as as people that have done it before. And so, uh, you know, me being able to see you from afar, being able to see Chris from afar, Ted, all these different people from afar, you know, Shane Wynn was one of my favorite players, like all these different dudes, you know, growing up. So being able to see them go to their games and all those things gave me, you know, the, the hope that I, that it could be me. And so I think a lot of kids, you know, nowadays still need that. And so, again, I appreciate your time. Um, you gave us a, a lot of information. You gave us a lot of your time. And so I, I definitely appreciate you. Um, make sure y'all go follow Varsity House at um, all, all social channels, Varsity House Podcast, uh, Varsity House Podcast on YouTube as well. Uh, thank you again, co-host Carl Jones, special guest, local legend, Cecil Shorts third. We'll see it. We'll see his son, Cecil Shorts uh, fourth coming up soon here. So uh, again, thank you. I'm Sean Crawford, your host. Appreciate it.